Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. And this very special episode is presented by Martel Blue Swift and ACAST Creative. Martel Blue Swift is the very first spirit drink made of cognac VSOP and then finished in bourbon casks, a true innovation for its category. This is just one example of how the brand has been redefining conventions for over 300 years. They want to inspire people to create their own path. And like today's very special guest, open the doors for others to do the same. Now, today's guest, I know you've seen the episode description, you see the title, You see it there on whatever device you're listening on. But I just have to say it out loud so that it registers that this is real and this is happening and that this happened. Today on Naked Beauty, you are going to hear from my conversation with Janelle Monet. Yes, I interviewed multi-talented, multi-dimensional, absolutely gorgeous inside and out Janelle Monet for Naked Beauty. And I will tell you all, my expectations were high. I know she is incredibly thoughtful, but this conversation far exceeded every single expectation I had. And we get right, right into it. Like, I mean, from the first question, we start unpacking trauma learned as a young girl about what good hair is, how light skin was perceived as more beautiful than dark skin. And how only recently has she been able to, and I think this is something that's very common amongst Black women, been able to process those conversations and those early notions of beauty from childhood and thinking about how we unlearn those beauty standards. I'm also able to hear from her what it was like wearing her natural hair at the beginning of her career and how it was perceived when she first came out with music onto the scene. And I have always been a Janelle Monae fan. I saw her perform at Spelman College when I was still in high school, and she was just this young woman who commanded so much energy. She had so much presence, and I did notice her hair. She had this gorgeous, blown-out afro, and to see her now with her own label, with all of her Grammy nominations, being in the these incredible award-winning films. I mean, Janelle Monet is a force. She is a force in this industry. And I think one of the true creative geniuses of our time. And I'm not going to spoil too much because you're going to hear from her in this interview. But there is a question I ask her and her answer just blew me away. I ask her about her look, her self-expression, her image. As you all know, she often wears just black and white. She has always had a very strong point of view about how she looks and how she presents herself. And in the beauty world, we know that that's rare. Not everyone has that really strong, crisp point of view. So I asked her, how do you think about your look and your self-presentation? And she says, I don't even have to think about it. It's like water. It's like air. It's like a good orgasm. Those are her words, not mine. But It comes to her so naturally. It's just part of who she is. And I think that's what's so powerful about beauty, right? There are some people that are able to use their beauty and self-expression to express who they are on a higher level in a way that can be understood outwardly. And then I'm able to speak to her about her new project, The Memory Librarian. And in those moments, I'm really just listening, right? When Janelle Monet has the stage and you have time with her and you can absorb, you really want to absorb it and just let her speak and explain. And I learned so much from her. And even in the days leading up to this conversation, when I knew I was going to speak with her, it's like, how do you even prepare to talk to someone like Janelle Monet? Because you know her thinking She's not thinking like your average artist. She's not think she's she's thinking on like a totally different plane. And I knew that I would have to talk to her about the way sci-fi influences her work because that's such a big part of who she is and it's so unique. And it's actually not something that I hear black women speak about a lot. So I was really excited to hear from her on that. 
And you'll hear as she talks about this project, the memory librarian and sci-fi, that passion she has around the collaboration that helped bring this project to life is so palpable. And I love to hear from people that are passionate about their work. But then, of course, for all of you, and I'll be honest with you, really for me too, because I just had to know, Janelle Monet, you're at home on a Saturday. What's your makeup look? Are you doing like a light beat? Are you just into skincare? Like I needed to get into her actual products and beauty moments. And we get into it all. She tells me the products she's using, but we also get into beauty beyond just products, right? Because that's just like a small piece of it. We get into nutrition, dress, how she manages her cortisol levels, exercise. And wow, the surprise I get at the end of this podcast conversation was Wow, it was a big moment. You'll hear it. So let me let me stop talking about the conversation and let you all listen to it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Janelle Monet, only here on Naked Beauty. Enjoy. Janelle, welcome to Naked Beauty. I am so excited to have you on. You've just, you know, returned to doing red carpets and you're looking incredible. How has it been after so many years of not doing, you know, full glam and getting dressed up to now be out there doing red carpets again? Does it feel good? It definitely felt like a Black Mirror episode. (laughs) (laughs) Like what kind of, you know, alternative universe are we in and who do I trust? But it also felt really, really good to reconnect with my peers and just to, have, you know, conversations with people that I'm used to hugging at events and haven't had had that opportunity. I mean, I went to do the Ralph Lauren fashion show. Yes. You looked incredible. Thank you. I hadn't been to New York since 2019. Oh, wow. And prior to that, I was always in New York, always in LA, always just moving around for work, obviously. And so it was just, you know, it it was good that I, I was able to to not uh, move around as much, but it also (laughs) was just so odd for me to have not been out in the way that I had um, for as long as I had been. Yes. And then Oscars, which I feel like everyone is exhausted talking about the Oscars at this point, but that's also just another level of like surreal black mirror type of event uh, in terms (laughs) of what went down. I'd love to hear from you what beauty looks like for you growing up. So I know you spent a lot of time in the church and you were in Kansas. What was your perception of beauty growing up? Oh, wow. It's so interesting that you asked me this question because I was just having this conversation with friends. And, you know, I've been able to have a lot of great in-depth like conversations with my friends around healing and around going back to when we were little people. And I just remember the word good hair you know, being tossed around like, oh, you have good hair, that equaled beauty. Oh, you're light skinned. But this, these are not things that people would say to me per se, but I would hear them and I would be like, okay, so, and then I would hear like, oh, her hair is so long and curly. And it was always celebrated by a lot of the older women, women in my family, you know, older teenage girls that I used to like want to be, you know, my play mama or be their play daughter. But All of those words were like, okay, if you're not in that, that description, then you're not as beautiful. I have a very vivid memory of going to one of my cousin's birthday parties and she was a couple years older than me, but she also had friends who were older. And so 
I looked up to these girls and I just remember before the party, because I knew like what they gravitated towards. There was also this other girl who was around my age who had really long, silky hair and they were just playing her hair. They would call her their little doll baby. And I remember looking at my pigtails because my hair didn't even reach my shoulders when my mom would put it in, you know, pigtails. And I remember pulling my hair, yanking it, like, please magically appear long before this party. Like, I need them to accept me. I need them to love me and like me in the way that they like this person. And I had, I had forgotten. I had blocked that out of my mind. It's traumatic, I feel. I blocked it out, but it was such a big deal to be accepted in the Black community and to be able to live up to the beauty standards that I know did not happen and start with us. Like it is all, it always goes back to patriarchy. It always goes back to white supremacy, internalized racism. But why? It always goes back to what happened to our ancestors. And so it's a great conversation to have. It's a great curse to break. There are things that are specific to our community that we're checking and we're taking a look at. And now, you know, more people than ever in our community are embracing their hair texture, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, however thick it is, however, like, natural is so in and so celebrated. And I'm so happy to have not given up on that part of who I am, you know? Absolutely. And you've been such a big part of people embracing their natural hair. Even for me, growing up, seeing you rock your hair, it made me feel so much more confident in doing my little frohawk when I was growing out my, you know, <laughs> my big chop. I think a lot of people see you as a beauty inspiration. I certainly do. And you've always been at the forefront of, you know, looks that sometimes people haven't thought represented until they saw someone like you. So whether it's rocking menswear, wearing your natural hair, how aware are you of that impact you've had on the beauty conversation? It's so interesting that you say that because I was also going back and thinking like, man, when I first came on the scene, my first like Violet Stars Happy Hunting was like the first single I put out and that was on MySpace. And I remember being made fun of on blogs for my hair texture and how I was wearing it. Wow. I remember that and I remember it really bothering me. I thought it was cool. I thought it was super cool to like have this 40s inspired, 50s inspired natural hair style, you know, for our hair. Like I love my Afro. I love wearing it out. But I was like, I want to do something different. Like, I love the vintage vibes that I love Lucy gave or like, you know, the pinup girls. I love that. And so I was like, what if I did that with natural hair? How would that look? And obviously, like, you know, our grandparents and great grandparents were doing that, but nobody was really doing it during the time when I came out. And, you know, when you bring something back around, it's either everybody embraces it or they don't, or you have mixed views or whatever. But it was also during the time where I was like, I didn't feel seen in the industry at all. I felt when I went to award shows or had to perform or had to, you know, be on the same bill as certain artists that I, I just, just always felt different <laughs> or I was always reminded of it by people saying comments to me like, Oh, you have on a tuxedo. Wow. You're, you're embracing your masculine side of your, Ooh, okay. Like it was just always these things put on me. And um, yeah, it really means a lot to hear you say that me 
just gravitating towards the things that I thought were cool helped you kind of find that in yourself. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yes, it was huge. And now you seem so confident in your beauty. How are you able to tap into that confidence as you were growing up? I'm not always confident. I'd be, I'd be lying if I said, you know, when I wake up or 95% of the time, I'm just this confident person. I think like everybody else, I have my insecurities. I have my moments where I'm in my head. I have my moments where I'm comparing myself, comparing changes. I remember, yeah, it's like a lot. Like you just have to check it. You have to check. So you're gaining weight. Okay. What does that mean? All right. There was a moment where my hair was thinning. Okay. Who who am I? Am I going to love myself through my transformation? And that answer is yes. The world judges me, judges you, judges her, judges him so much. Why do I need to pile on and judge myself? That's so powerful. That's how I deal with beauty. That's how I deal with it. Every phase I'm going to love myself through. Even if you don't or they don't, I'm going to. That's very powerful. And you have always had such a strong point of view about your look and the way that you self-express and the way that you show up. I've interviewed Nikki Nelms on this podcast and she talked about how she loves working with you because you're just like down for it. Like when she found those little like googly eyes and I think it was in Paris you guys were. And she's like, you're just open to it. And I'm wondering as, you know, a musician and you're you're an overall artist, you're you're beyond, you know, you can't be categorized, but how important is self-expression in your art? How much do you think about the way that you dress and do your makeup and hair as part of your creative expression? The fact that I don't have to think about it should tell you enough. Like, I don't have to think about that. That is such a freedom and a blessing. And I couldn't imagine anybody trying to take that away from me or censor it. It's like water. It's like air. It's like a good orgasm. <laughs> Being able to be in the moment and reflect exactly where I am in life and share that or not share that, but move in a space that feels good to my spirit, you know, that doesn't feel like I have to, but I want to. Sci-fi comes up in terms of a lot of your inspirations. You've cited Metropolis and and other sci-fi films as inspirations for your music and your aesthetic. Um, And then, of course, Memory Librarian brings in elements of Afrofuturism. What is it about sci-fi that you think really resonates with you most? I've always had a very vivid imagination. You know, I grew up watching with my grandmother The Twilight Zone, and I read R.L. Stein Goosebump books. You know, I'm from Kansas, The Wizard of Oz. So all of that in my mind has just helped me get out my own ideas because I'm like, at a young age, my mother never told me I couldn't use my imagination or pretend. And I think that the imagination is the strongest. I I actually heard this on something I was watching on TV. So whoever is watching it heard this quote, it's not mine, but it resonates with me because it is me so much. The imagination is the strongest nation. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. When I look at David Bowie and how free he is in his work as Prince, and when I look at George Lucas and what he's built with Star Wars and what Steven Spielberg has done and Octavia Butler and Isaac Asimov, and when I look at Philip K. Dick and his mind and all the movies that came from those short stories, how can I not maximize my creativity? 
how can I sit on it when I know that I have it? It's my own little way and it'll look slightly different or maybe, you know, we're cross-pollinating, we're speaking to each other. But I could not imagine a life where, you know, I wasn't able to write a science fiction book and have a thought like this book came out of thought experiments, honestly. Like one of the short stories is called The Memory Librarian. And I said, what if, you know, and all of it is inspired by my album, 30 Computer and the film that I put out. I said, what if though in this world where memories are being erased and hoarded, what if there was a memory keeper who knew everybody's identities before they were clean? And what if this memory keeper, memory librarian who filed everybody's memories wanted to fall in love? But how do you fall in love when you know everybody's secrets? Right. And how do their secrets, what if their secrets uncover your own secrets? Fascinating. It's such an interesting concept. Yes. Yeah, I want to know about that. I want to know about that. And so it's just been amazing to be able to collaborate with a community of, of writers like myself uh, who stretch our imaginations and who have done everything from fantasy to action to sci-fi. I mean, I collaborated with Aliyah Don Johnson on The Memory Librarian and, you know, her work, she combines a lot of fantasy and history and, 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 and music. I think that Danny Lore, who's non-binary, Black, we collaborated on Nevermind, and action is in Nevermind. And this is somebody who's worked with Marvel and has done Champions and Marvel Pride. And, and right now I'm working on Dynamite, um, which is the James Bond graphic novel. Eve L. Ewing, I worked on her on a story called Time Box. You know, what if somebody was able to, you go into an apartment and you find that there's a room and when you go in it, time stops. How do you use that space? Do you share that space? Do you let the rest of the community know that it's available for them? Or do you get back the time you lost from fighting for the rights of Blacks, for the rights of Brown, for the rights of the LGBTQIA plus community? You know, and, and also collaborate with Johanka Delgado on Save Changes and Cherie Renee Thomas on Timebox. Like these are incredible writers. And I just I just think that, you know, because this is rooted in community and I wanted to do something super innovative where we're all sharpening each other's swords and we're all owning these stories together as a movement. It's so important and impactful. And I also, I appreciate that you bring up the way that you're telling these Black queer stories as well, because I think that's something that we don't see enough in the media and we don't see it represented or when it is represented, sometimes it's only represented in one narrow lens. And I think that by collaborating with all of these incredible people, you're able to tell like much richer and much more dynamic stories. So I think I can speak for a lot of people, like the work that you're doing in this space is so important. And I think it just speaks to you overall, again, as like this artist with a vision. So I just want to personally thank you for putting these ideas out into the world because they really, really do matter. I want to hear a little bit about just when you're at home every day, relaxing, lounging, like, you know, I see you on the red carpet. I see you in full glam. It's like a Saturday. You're at home. Are you doing no makeup? Are you doing a light makeup look? What's your vibe on the weekends? You have nothing to do. Well, my skin has been able to heal. Uh, one of the things that I'm excited, I was excited about was like, I didn't have to put on a lot of makeup to do red carpet and stuff over the pandemic. So my skin got a chance to like really heal and not break out as much. And was I was able to just be in the sun more, sunscreen, obviously, but just like, how do I accentuate my natural 
face. Yes. <laughs> like make sure that my skin feels healthy and looks healthy. And I think I use like a gloss. Um, I love this Laura Mercier gloss that I, I'll put on like a just on my lip. And I may put on a little mascara, like if people are coming over, or I'm hosting something. But really it's about like mascara and lips and a fill-in on my brow. Supernatural. I don't put on foundation unless I'm so okay with knowing that I can put on makeup if I want to, or and I don't have to. I used to feel like I had to always be on when I first started. But it's great to see people online, like you seeing their real skin and if you got a pimple today, you got a fucking pimple today. Our hormones are moving and shaking. It's just what it is. Exactly. Now, you do seem to have absolutely glowing, gorgeous skin. So I would imagine you are into skincare. Do you have any skincare favorites, any skincare rituals that you do? You know, I actually started using uh, Pharrell's. Um, uh, human race. Human race. Yeah, I think I love the little tingle that I get from um, one of the products. Yes, that at the... It's like the exfoliating product that you do before the moisturizer. Yes. Exactly. Which I I found to be really cool, but I'm super basic. Once I find my thing, I just stick to it. You know, I think that I actually use like an exfoliating from that is geared for men, but it works really good on my skin. It has like this blue top on it. I don't know what the name of it is, but mostly I will say exercising has helped my skin tremendously. Yes. Okay. Talk, Talk to me about your exercise. Yeah. So I work out, I try to do like four times a week for an hour. Oh my God. That's great. That's me. But I went six months without working out. I went to shoot this project in Greece and it was just like too hot there to be doing stuff. (laughs) And uh, I just didn't want to do it. I was over it. I was over. I was just like, I want to eat what I want to eat. And I just want to live. I just want to do what I want to do. And yeah, this, this January, I was like, okay, now I gotta, I gotta find the balance you know, and doing whatever I wanted to do, I want to do. And also taking care of my health, making sure that, you know, your cortisol levels are up and down when you're stressed. And all of that determines your skin. Can, can, I'll speak for myself. I don't want to speak for everybody. But when I'm stressed, I can get pimples. When I'm PMSing and if I start eating, you know, lots of fried stuff or just like sugary things, I get bumps. And so exercising gives you those endorphins, gives you that, the good hormones, the happy hormones, the everything, the serotonin, everything's okay. You're going to be fine. And then your skin looks like everything's okay. I am fine. You know? Yes. You did mention your brows and you have iconic brows. Everyone wants your brows. What do you use to fill in your brows if you're doing it yourself? I do Fenty. I do the Fenty. um, I don't have it next to me, but you know, it's a white Fenty a pencil, you know, and a dark brown. I love her. I love Rihanna's stuff. It's good. It's really good. Now, did you ever fall victim to the thin eyebrow trend when everyone overplucked their brows in like the early 2000s? Because you know, that's coming back now. All the Gen Z kids are like doing a thin brow. That's so cute. That's hilarious. I didn't start plucking brows till I like started getting a professional makeup artist. And they were like, man, I pluck. And I was like, what the hell is a pluck? We went to the dollar store and got the long handled razor that you can use. It's like long tipped and you can shave your eyebrows. My mom used to actually use a razor blade and she arched my eyebrows when I was in high school. So, and I did have a moment where I overarched and um, yeah, they were thin and I I didn't love, but I love, I love my brows. 
they're thick. I have brows like my dad. My dad has really thick brows. Yeah, your brows are amazing, amazing. And you also have amazing hair, of course. And I'm loving seeing color on you. Like this blonde is so gorgeous. How do you take care of your hair when you're also experimenting with color? Conditioning, leave-in conditioner. Any faves? I actually use this product called Cantu. Yes, we love Cantu. Yeah, and Nikki uses um, Maui on my hair sometimes. But yeah, I use, oh no, Tracy Ellis rocks. What? Pattern. First yes. of all, her product line is the shit. From the packaging, the shampoo, conditioner, I use the gel, the clear gel, styling cream, like all of it. I love her stuff. She has incredible stuff. And you know, you've done so many incredible movies you get to be on set, you get to, you know, interact with so many people that are doing your hair, doing your makeup. Are you quite particular? I guess when you're playing a role, you have to just become the role that you're playing. But do you have a point of view about how people do your makeup when you're going to be on screen for a film? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm like, can I pick my makeup artist too? Yes, that's so important. Yeah, when I started off, I was doing my own makeup. I couldn't afford a makeup artist. I couldn't afford a hairstylist. Those early like Janelle Monae photos, I did my hair in those updos. Wow. You're talented. Yeah, I, I had to though. I had to be. I couldn't afford it. I just couldn't. And I, and I, and it was, and then, you know, I had a very specific vision about my style, about how I needed to come out. And I had an opportunity to develop myself behind scenes. A lot of artists don't get that. And I was super lucky to be able to like have years where I was an independent artist and nobody really knew about me except for people in Atlanta, Georgia. And I could make mistakes privately, you know, or not make mistakes, but just like experiment. Experiment. Yeah. I saw you perform at Spelman College like years and years, like maybe 15, 14 years ago. You know, I'm timeless. I'm so timeless. So I'm sure probably maybe it was 1892. It could have been. It could have been. <laughs> been. It could have been. But you, your hair looked incredible. You, you. It was kind of like a brushed out, almost like a, a blowout Afro thing. Just gorgeous. You've always had a point of view about your look. Yeah, I probably was wearing a lot of colors and rain boots back then. But to answer your question, yes, I. One of the things that I still do to this day, no matter if you're doing, because I, I've done my makeup so much. I've done my makeup on red carpets. I did it even for a uh, Shape magazine you know, because the pandemic had just hit and my makeup artist wasn't in town. So you just, I I do it so much and I know when it's too much or when it's not enough. And so I I always let everybody know if I'm working with you, like, hey, don't take it personal, but you cannot do my brows. I'll be doing my brows. So that's the one thing I don't let anybody do is my eyebrows. I do them myself most of the time. And you do a great job. Do you have any favorite complexion products like concealer that you love to use or even like a blush or a bronzer that you find yourself reaching for? Sure. Makeup Forever has a good foundation. Yes. Dang, I wish I should have had all these questions. (laughs) No, no, no. All good. I mean, all these answers for you. I'm just excited that you love it. I don't even want to give people that plug right now because I think I might, I don't know. I think I'm excited about beauty and just lifestyle you know, creating this lifestyle brand. And my hope is that I can enter that space in the most authentic uh, way possible. I think you would be such a welcome addition to the beauty space, a skincare line, a makeup line, anything you do in beauty. Yes. Tell me what you would want to see from me. What would you, what would you want to see if I did do that? 
I would love like even like a bath salts moment, like body care for your shower, like a scrub and, you know, just like getting into the story behind how the um, products were sourced. I would love a facial oil from you, something really calming. And then I think hair care and makeup too is an amazing space that you could enter because again, you've always had that really, and I know the packaging and everything would be so on point. Like I would be so excited for you to enter that space. Oh man. Well, thank you. Hmm. Okay. You have me thinking, you have me thinking, I guess I'll have to, you know, come back to you and, you know, show you some things when that's not. Yes. I am here for that. Well, we are arriving at the final question. So this is a question I ask all of my guests and I'm very curious to get your response. When do you feel most beautiful? I have moments where I'm just consistently in a space of gratitude. And when I'm in one with everything around me, the flowers that I'm looking at, the sky that I'm looking at, the people that I'm making art with, where we're in perfect harmony with one another. My mom always says, you know, true peace. And I associate peace with beauty is when you're doing what you love with the people you love at the time you're supposed to be doing it for the right reasons. When all of that is in alignment, I feel my most beautiful. Just like we're living life. We are here. We get an opportunity to experience, to be a gift, to give, you know? Absolutely. Well, that is incredible wisdom that I'm definitely going to take with me. And I just thank you so much for your time and just for you being you and putting your art into the world. It's so meaningful to so many of us. So thank you again so much, Janelle, for being with me on on Naked Beauty today. Oh, thank you. It was lovely to talk to you. I love your voice. I see why you do. Thank you. And and come back when you've got your, your skincare, beauty, body care, hair care, anything. We're ready for it. Okay. You got it. All right. Thank you so, so much. Wow, everyone. Wasn't that just absolutely incredible? Janelle Monet here on Naked Beauty. I thank all of you so much for taking the time to listen, for sharing this podcast episode. Take a screenshot, share it to your stories, tag me at Naked Beauty Planet. You know, I love to see that you're listening. I love to see the support. So grateful for this community. And wow, do we need to talk about that ending, that tease for beauty products to come. You all heard her say it, right? I need you all to be my witness that she told me she's going to come back when she's ready to introduce her beauty products. What an expansive thinker she is, but also what a warm, intelligent, and wonderful person she is too, right? That balance between intelligence, but also warmth, I think that is just so wonderful and and quite honestly, very aspirational for me. I was always a fan. I always admired her, but being able to hear from her like this was so special. And listen, I knew I had limited time with her. She's busy. I know what her schedule is like. And I love to let a conversation flow and I love to get deep. But as I reflect on my craft as a podcaster, I'm actually very proud of the way I was able to maximize our time together. We got insight into her beauty perspective growing up. We got to hear her favorite skincare, hair care, and makeup products. We got to understand how intentional she is about her look and the influence sci-fi has played in her creative expression. And I was able to ask her more about this new project, The Memory Librarian. And then we just get these delightful moments where we hear about how she approaches her confidence and avoids self-judgment and wisdom her mom has taught her. This is going to be a very, very 
hard episode to top for me. This was just wonderful. And I thank you again so, so much for listening, for sharing, for helping Naked Beauty grow to what it is today. If you loved this episode, take the time to rate and review and just share it with someone else. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, for being on this journey with me. And I hope that this conversation inspired you as much as it inspired me. And wow, this all just feels so surreal. So love and gratitude to you all. Until next time, this has been Naked Beauty. Naked Beauty.